This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that can have an impact on your career. Today, we're talking with retired Marine Colonel Jay Johnson, who is now the Director of Professional and Executive Education at the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. We're talking with him about his personal journey in becoming a leader and the keys to teaching leadership to others. You've recently retired as a colonel from your 30-year career in the Marine Corps. During your years in the Marines, you not only were a leader, but you were a leadership expert. You taught Marines how to be Marines and how to lead Marines. In your last assignment, you were the Marine commander at Fort Leavenworth, and you were an executive director of the General Staff College. You were teaching people. Can you tell us about that assignment and um, the biggest challenges of your, your last assignment as a colonel? Yeah, uh, thank you, Bev. Thank you very much. Um, I'd probably say the first biggest challenge was is uh, I was over in uh, Okinawa, Japan, serving with uh, 3rd Marine Division, and I uh, got uh, had to set up a conversation with my uh, you know the next you know my next assignment. Probably that biggest challenge was was, was coming to the realization that I was going to do my last assignment in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and I thought, well, what in the world I've done to, to receive uh, the orders into uh, Leavenworth, Kansas, and the second part. Then I had to wake my wife up because you know it's a fourteen-hour yeah. time difference, and tell her that uh, I thought we were going to go back into Northern Virginia area, probably, and and do an assignment there because my uh, uh, with the Marine Corps University there and and do some teaching there uh, to find that I was heading out to uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. Uh, but you know, having you know, just talk with a few people and uh, obviously went ahead with the assignment. And I would have to say it was probably one of the of the 30 plus years that I've served one of the most enriching and re- rewarding uh, assignments that I ever had. And to kind of get a little backstory that uh, with the school there that I was assigned to is called it's the Army's Command and General Staff College. And it wasn't always called that. Uh, it was established around 1881 uh, by, you know, obviously a great hero from the state of Ohio, General William Tecumseh Sherman, and it was initially called the uh, Infantry and Cavalry School. And his vision was to basically there was we had this education for our our soldiers uh, as, as they were going through, but there was nothing on for further on professional development. So his vision was to stand this up. Uh, so. Today, 136 uh, years, it's still what is now known as the Command and General Staff College. And what it does is, if you can kind of imagine, this is a graduate level program uh, that's focused on our, if you will, mid-level leaders or mid-level managers in the civilian world, our majors, O4s. But this is not only just for the Army, but it also includes all the services and also internationals. At the time when I left there, we had over 100 international students and also interagency uh, that participates, you know, Border Patrol, um, State Department, uh, et cetera. So the Marine Corps uh, that I was assigned, when I was assigned there, it's kind of twofold. I'm a 
part of the directors there for that program, and that's the monitoring and working with the Marines and the school there as they go through the Command and General Staff College, and then also the and also the command officer there for all things that they go on for, for the Marine Corps. The Corps has been there since 1910, so we're the kind of the uh, of the services there. Uh, Kind of the the elder statesman, if you will, and we only missed uh, during the time. This you got to consider World War One, World War Two. We only had one gap there, and I think it was right around World War One where we did not have a student. What made it so challenging? You mentioned that this was a one of the biggest challenges. It feels like this is a pretty well established place. It is. It is very established. But when you're looking at inner service, and everybody is, and when you, when you're coming together with that. When you start talking about leadership, I mean, everybody kind of thinks about it, but leadership is leadership, but all the different services and even the international students, some of them all have different ideas have how you get at that or whatever. So when it comes to looking at that, you have these discussions with the faculty when you're establishing the curriculum and, and you know, what are you putting in that, what is important, um, you know, to be teaching to our mid-level uh, managers. So the challenge with that is to try to stay current and try to stay up um, uh, up with the up with the times, if you will, about what's going on out there. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to um, to take these young majors and prepare them to be uh, to serve on larger staffs and to be future commanders and to be critical thinkers and to sit back and reflect and kind of hone in and sharpen some of those writing and speaking skills that might have atrophied a little bit. Uh, from their last school setting and, and then the time that they've been serving. So that's when you're looking at a major, this is probably anywhere from eight to ten years of service uh, if, if you're looking at that that they've had under their belt. So so the challenges there is just there's only so much you can put in a curriculum and everybody's wanting to get their slice of the pie in there. So we've got to find that balance and what's important in there and have those conversations. And some of them can get a little, uh, you know, a little heated at times, but that, but that's okay. And that's, and that's good. At the end of the day is, is that we want to uh, produce a, a good officer that can go out and serve whatever his capacity is uh, and, and to lead those people that he's been placed in charge of. My, my impression is that the idea of military leader has changed dramatically in in recent years. It it used to be it was all about command and control and control and control. And now it's much more about critical thinking, as you mentioned. It's it's uh, having people coping with change and thinking on the spot. Is that correct? Oh, that's correct. That's absolutely correct. Uh, you know, just speaking from our experience, is that uh, what, what the Army would call mission command or what we will call, um, you know, that commander's intent, uh, be able to pass that down to your subordinates and allow them to go on and, and carry on that mission wherever they're at and, and not be there, if you will, to micromanage or whatever, give them what those Give them what they need to know, what, what your expectations are, and then allow them to go out and do that. So empowering people. Absolutely. So you're an expert in leadership, and you've had some experiences around the world as a leader, but it didn't happen overnight. As I understand it, you started out as a farm boy in Ohio, and I'm kind of interested. How did, how did you go from... Um, the Ohio farm to, to being a, a, an expert in, in leadership and public service. What, 
what got you going? Well, I don't know. I'd always say, you know, I'm always careful about being to try not to be an expert or whatever. I would just say an experienced person who's had some, uh, seen some things in leadership. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, so the foundation there is, uh, you know, growing up uh, right there in southeastern Ohio, um, my mom and dad decided that we were, I was actually born in Parkersburg over there in West Virginia, and uh, they decided to, uh, to buy a farm. Uh, and, and take on that challenge. Of course, I was only about nine or ten, so it was just a big adventure for me to go over there. But quickly realizing that the, some of the requirements that go with uh, uh, living on a farm, uh, that you've got to take some, you got to take care of a few things, your chores, if you will, the requirements um, uh, before you started your day. So some of those quick early responsibilities uh, quickly. Uh, uh, honed in, and I wouldn't have traded that experience uh, for anything in the world uh, And uh, as I was growing up. So you learned responsibility on a farm because you had other people and other creatures depending on you, and things had to be done. Um, did you think you are going to grow up to be a farmer? Uh, you know, when I when I looked at that, you know, I kind of looked at my dad. Was a, he considered a gentleman's farmer. My dad worked at uh, DuPont. Um, but, uh, he was on the uh, mostly on the safety side down there, so he worked a lot of ship work. So most of the work, you know, when, when he would come down during his off time. And then the rest of it fell on to my two older brothers and then uh, me and my sister. So we kind of share those, uh, you know, responsibilities or whatever. You know, I would say probably my, my my oldest brother, he was probably more leaning towards that area or whatever. Uh, but I think my brother and then my sister and I, I, I didn't really have, I mean, I, I really enjoyed whatever I liked, the land or whatever. I was more into, you know, the opportunities with the hunting and the fishing and uh, just, you know, being able to go out and explore or whatever. Uh, and then uh, uh, and just having that time, you know, to myself out there and kind of, you know, you know, uh, doing my own little exploring, if you will. So I don't know if I really had that kind of passion or whatever, but I did have this sense of pride of, of uh, you know, living on the farm and then those responsibilities go with it. So where would you say your career began? I would say as I was kind of, and it all kind of started right there, but it kind of started when we used to go to family reunions and we'd all kind of get together and... And most of this was just listening to, you know, the elder statesmen, my, you know, mostly my uncles uh, on my dad's side, because uh, on my mom's side, it was just her and then the two twin uh, sisters. So it was just mostly listening to them, you know, kind of talk about their experiences and uh, and what they would done. And then, we'll, I mean, we're talking about this span across. My dad came in from a very big family. Uh, so we've talked about World War II. We had some experiences in Korea and then also Vietnam. So you had all those different spectrum and just listening uh, to those different stories uh, just really, you know, motivated and inspired me to, you know, to kind of learn more about that. Um, and I would just tell one, you know, you know, I lost my uh, mom a couple years ago. And then you normally when you when you have that, you know, you're kind of going through stuff and you're finding things. And we was going through some of her stuff that she'd gotten from from her mom and, and dad when they passed away. And we were kind of going through the boxes and whatnot. And we came across this, you know, kind of a picture. And then there was this, you know, this other, like, you know, it looked like an official piece of paper. 
kind of took it out of the envelope and unfolded it, and it was a discharge paper from one of my, you know, probably great 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 grandfathers from 1865. Wow. And he was being discharged from a regiment uh, uh, in Ohio where he had served. And I looked up that regiment, and that regiment had fought in many, you know, battles across, you know, Virginia from, you know, Bull Run and Teton and, and, and all that. Very decorated regiment. And I'm not particularly sure whether what his, where he was in, in that part, but the interesting piece with that, the kind of connection back with that, was there's another, with the picture in there was him standing there with two horses. And on his discharge paper, you know, kind of, you know, had all your standard things in there, uh, you know, when he got released and everything's paid in full and all this and that, and it was stamped and everything inside by the captain. But it said his profession was farmer. And that related back to me was, you know, all my relatives were citizen soldiers, and they all served, and they all, uh, and it meant something to them to serve their nation when, when your nation calls. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University is having an impact today while providing innovative education for tomorrow's leaders. The master's program in public administration and environmental studies leads students to greatness in nonprofit, environmental, public sector, and government settings. Learn to lead at the Voinovich School. We're now accepting applications. Information is available at ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. So when you went off to college, it, including a military element to that, made some sense. It just was yes. the normal thing that happened in your family. So you um, tell us about your college experience and how you thought about your career then. Yeah, I was kind of in, you know, I was going through, you know, kind of going through school and, you know, also, uh, you know, the military was there, but also another, you know, area that was kind of interesting to me was, was the law enforcement piece or whatever. Uh, and then I'd heard that, you know, a lot of times it's like, hey, when you're, looking to go into law enforcement, they really look, you know, at your experience, and one of those could be in, you know, serving in the military. So I was going through college, and just like anytime you have opportunities come up, and there was, there was some recruiters on, uh, on campus there my junior year, me and my buddy there, we decided, um, let's go down there, we'll meet with them, and they were from the Dallas PD, and we took the test and everything, and then, well, so I'd, I'd taken some Spanish in high school, so I tested very kind of okay on that on that portion whatever so they wanted us to come on down there and 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 you know say hey you can finish school you know we'll get you down and get you so get you in the academy and then you know get you set up you know and and went through all that and uh, and then you can and we'll give you there's other opportunities you can finish your degree while you're down in this area i said okay oh that's you know oh, it's not kind of interesting you know you're sitting in there listening to somebody's getting you all fired up and motivated about it and my buddy was all fired up about it so but then you got to check back in home, you know, got uh-huh. back into the home front. And, uh, of course, my dad's name is Ted, so we got the infamous TED Talk. So I was very familiar with TED Talks before they were TED Talks, if you will. 
Uh, and then the other side of that was my mom. And when I told her what I was going to do, I could just hear this deafening silence on the other end of the phone. And it was like, look, uh, you, you know, we've, we've not spent all this time for you to not finish school. We would really like you to, you know, finish, you know, it'll be there. Dallas PD or whatever will be there at the end of the day when you're done. Uh, so that really reson- resonated with me. And, of course, you never want to go against your mom. So good, I, uh, good I held back. It's right. Good, good, good guidance from her because had I not done that, she literally, with her, uh, with that one conversation, she literally changed my life forever. So you because went back to the university to? I did. I went back to the university, and, and there was this, uh, I went back down there, and then that this was following, Ohio University. This is at Ohio University. I went back down there, um, and I never dropped out. I was just I was going to. It was just after the spring semester. After I finished my junior year, I wasn't just going to come back my senior year. Can you imagine that? So when I went back down there my senior year, later on in that fall, I came across there was this uh, there was this Marine captain standing there. And he had all his stuff out, you know, laid out on a table, whatever, another one of these recruiting things down there. And I saw him, and I said, well, I'm a Marine. I said, what's this program all about? Well, this is about being a Marine Corps officer. I said, tell me more about it. So he started telling me about it, you know, whatever. And, and I said, well, I think that's something I would like to, you know, I would like to do. And so, you know, we had the conversation, and then, you know, and then you do your normal things. And and then I set those set those things and work to uh, – to start on a journey to be a, a be a Marine Corps officer, but I but going back to that without that conversation with my mom and then those other people, those you know all those mentors along you know on the way from coaches and teachers just kind of talking to you about things, uh, I I might not have been where I'm in today. Well, how did you get interested in in leadership? Not not only becoming. Um a Marine leader, but understanding how leadership works, because that seems to be a theme in everything you've done. What yeah. inspired you to start looking at what it, does it take to be a leader? You know, it it just, it, I think it just kind of, it, it just kind of happens. I mean, for, to, to me, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, being around, you know, as you're coming in, you know, a very young officer, you know, you're basically, um, under the tutelage, if you will, or, or mentorship of, of just great leaders. And they may, obviously you have some that are good and all that, but you learn from both. It doesn't matter if, you know, because you're going to have some that are challenging and some of them that you don't see eye to eye or whatever. But from each one of those, you can take something away and learn from them. And I think that's what I did. I had these, uh, if you will, uh, and I carry around with these little green little books uh, and you kind of make notes, you know, kind of in them. I've got 30 of those things, and those represent each year that I basically served. And I just kind of keep my own little journal or my, you know, and take notes, you know, whatever I was be doing or whatever, or if I'd hear something good, and I keep those, I kind of kept those things with me. So were you were noticing of, what your mentors were doing, or you yeah. were noticing your own leadership lessons, and you captured that in your in your notebook. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't really, just like anything, you didn't realize what you'd capture until later on, you know, you're sitting down and you're kind of thinking about it. And it's like, hey, I think I, I remember hearing about that, and I go back and, and dig, and we were, you know, way back when we used to be given these foot lockers, and you'd store all your stuff in them, whatever, when you move it around. And so I would, 
put those down in there, and then I go in there and go grab them out, and then kind of go back and reflect on them, whatever. But they were a good, uh, you know, uh, if you will, allow me to establish a stepping stone into what I like to refer to as a, you know, kind of profession. Did you have um, any mentors in particular that gave you huge lessons, or did you find mentoring wherever you went? What was mentoring like for you? Oh yeah, I mean it started. I, I I mean I have to just you know, you know I I, I mention a couple of them. One in particular, I, I'll just kind of step through a couple of them. Is uh, my American history teacher uh, when I was uh, in high school, and uh, he was a World War II vet, and he really inspired me about you know learning about our country and learning about that. And then I didn't know that much about him, and here's a guy's a World War II guy, and he was involved in driving the boats in the invasion of Normandy. So I had, uh, I, you know, I had no idea what, you know, what, you know, what he was all about. So he started finding about that, and then he knew that, recognized that I had an interest in American history, and then, and then, and what I wanted to do, and you know, I wanted to serve, but I wasn't, you know, wasn't sure. But so he really helped me find a love for my country, if you will. And with that became, you know, I kind of started doing my own kind of professional development, if you will, and in reading. And my mom had bought a bunch of encyclopedias, and then you know, wait, you know, this is before all these computers and everything. You know, you could, mm-hmm. you know, jump on whatever. Fine. Well, I read every one of them. I read them from from start to finish. So I just had this uh, huge appetite for reading about history and, and and anything I could get my hands on. And then also coaches. You know, I learned from them. You know, I have a love of the sport. You know, just learning about the concept of team, and it's not about I or me or whatever. And I learned that at a, a, a very uh, early uh, age too. As as uh, you were working means. up your up the ranks in the Marines, and you already realized, it seems like how mentoring had made a difference in your life. Were you conscious about being a mentor for the the people who reported to you or your colleagues? Was that something that you practiced consciously? Yeah, you know, you just, I mean, when I was in there, you know, I, you know when you work for your, um, you know, your, you know, your boss, or whatever, you know, and then you had a responsibility as a young officer, uh, you know, particularly when I was a young platoon commander, that was, you know, I had 30 Marines uh, that were, you know, assigned to me. That's, that's about the normal size of a platoon at that particular time of the unit I was with. So that's, you know, 60 eyes, or if you will, on you looking for, you know, some guidance and, and some direction on which way we're going, regardless if it's the mission or whatever. But, you know, I always took it upon myself based on my captain I worked for. He was always interested in not only about what I was doing, but my own professional development. But, you know, he took it the next step. He was interested in my family and what they're doing. And then he he would invite us into his house and then introduce that whole uh, world of interacting with mm-hmm. uh, your family, I and mean, really, and then that's really helped my wife too. So, it's a, so being in the Marine Corps is a team sport. It really is. You have to be all rowing in in one direction and understand that. And he was a big help in teaching that. My first company commander, who got out of the Marine Corps, retired, and became a, a principal, uh, and then up in Michigan and and got into education. So there's another linkage, if you will, into education, some of these people I've been around. When did you decide that you wanted to have teaching and and, uh, professional development be part of your career, a focus of your career? 
you know, I, I kind of look back on that and, you know, and then I was actually talking to my wife and she says, you know, everything that you kind of got involved with, the, the different things that during your different assignments or whatever that you had in the Marine Corps, there's one common theme and that was education. I mean, even when I was recruiting out there for the Marine Corps, I was working on college campuses, working with, you know, young students who wanted to be future leaders of Marines. Uh, and then from the schools that I went to, and then I actually taught at a couple military schools, uh, and then just I kind of got the bug uh, about just working with somebody, trying to help them and 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 establish their path and and help them get on that journey of success. So, Colonel, you've had an interesting career um, in the Marines and went to very top of the heap in terms of teaching and mentoring and in and professional development, um, and now, now you've retired and you've gone back to Ohio University, right? And are you you're sort of still on the same path? However, what what is it you're starting up now? Well, right now, you know, it's kind of the you know when you when you retire, you got to go somewhere. And I was always you know told my wife, I said, you know, we we've, we've got to come home. I want to come back to Ohio, and that was always you know one of one of the uh, one of the goals to do that. And uh, so I was coming back here regardless, but there was an opportunity that came up uh, to work at my alma mater, Ohio University, and with that was the through the uh, Voinovich School, uh, there was an opportunity to come up to uh, lead their um, executive and professional education program. But not only down here in Athens, but to stand up uh, a, uh, a new focus in the central Ohio area uh, to work with the local, state, and the nonprofit organizations here. Uh, and, and beyond to kind of reach out to them and establish this leadership consortium, if you will, uh, of, of of basically working on best practices and working with people that are having challenges in leadership and uh, kind of sharing my experiences that I've had to to help get them set on their way. To me, it looks like leadership is more challenging than ever, partly because of the incredible pace of change that's linked to the uh, pace of technology. So in this new role you have, you're, you're creating programs for folks who are already leaders, but they're, they're coping with change. They're coping with so many new things all the time. How, how do you start to um, give them keys for leadership and related to, to managing change and managing leadership in a in a fast-moving environment. What, what's the starting point? Yeah, I think first thing, I mean, I, I always like to break things down kind of in three. So I would say first thing is to always be yourself uh, because anybody can can sniff out a phony right off the bat. I mean, and, and, I, and I saw that in action. And then uh, even my own self, if you try to be somebody that you're not, uh, you're going to get quickly uh, sought, uh, found out very quickly. So be yourself, I think, is, a, is the first thing. And the second thing is I think a lot of people really want you to share your experiences and kind of your stories. I mean, I think in this day and age of of just, you know, there's just information overload and, and, and data here, and then, I mean, you can just, you know, just – if you will, just throw data, you know, out, you know, wherever, but not really put any meaning to it. So kind of share a story or your experiences and kind of tie those back into uh, what you're doing in your, in, in whatever position that you're holding or, or job. And then I think the last thing is, and it's kind of a, it's a three thing is, but 
become a coach, teacher, mentor yourself. And then don't 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 forget those things that you learned uh, when you when you were out there. And then give back, and then find somebody that you can provide that type of coach, teaching, mentoring with somebody. So be yourself. Share your stories, which of course. That's what this podcast is all about, helping us all learn in our careers by hearing other people's stories and sharing our stories and becoming a coach, teacher, mentor yourself. I, I think that's a great summary of how you can sort of jumpstart your leadership if you're not sure um, where you're going next. And how, how do you help people to do that? Are these – you're creating – short-term programs, or what is it that you do to help people build in these three keys? Yeah, I think uh, I think building on those things, uh, you know, if you will, kind of their path or whatever, is you want to kind of help them find their passion. Uh, you know, what are they really, you know, getting back to mind all along this whole time when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, I took an oath, as, you know, to, uh, to serve in the uh, protect my country, but along that way, I found, uh, I fell in love with education. I found my passion. So I think that's first and foremost that people need to look at to kind of find their path. And then with that, you got to have some balance uh, with that, and then, you know, both phys- all physically, mentally, and spiritually, whatever those three things are or whatever. And if one of them's leading more, one way or more, it could tip that a little bit. So you got to find that right balance uh, in your life, whatever it may be. And I'd say probably the last thing is uh, don't don't be risk averse. Take chances uh, out there, uh, uh, and, and then ask the questions as you're as you're going forward or whatever. Uh, don't settle for the, if you will, the you know the normal whatever, but but reach out and try to take your passion, maintain that balance, and then and then take a chance. Well, I think that's excellent advice to end with. Colonel, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I, I think you are um, an example of somebody who's found what they love, education, and has allowed it to uh, be the guide in a, a career that's taken you around the world into fascinating places. I, I hope um, you have a wonderful time in your next building face back in Ohio. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Beth. Thank you very much. Today, we've been talking with retired Marine Colonel Jay Johnson, the Director of Professional and Executive Education at the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University, about his personal leadership path and the keys to teaching leadership to others. Today's career tip is about coping with change. Partly because of the pace of technology in workplaces, change is happening with dizzying speed. One key for thriving in a fast-paced environment is knowing how and when to pause. You actually get more done if you routinely take breaks. Carrying around a small journal can be a great way to build refreshing pauses into your work life. When you take a few minutes to write about your challenges and achievements, you can get back your perspective. And often, you'll set yourself up for a valuable fresh start. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Mm-hmm.